This is a Hot Pie Media Original. Sometimes I feel like I'm not living up to my potential, right? Because I have a capacity to work a lot and work very hard, but I have come to recognize that rest and some time to think is so important for me to be a high performer. Hi, I'm Eric Corum, and this is The Blueprint. I've spent my life helping Olympic gold medalists, NFL and NCAA athletes be the best at their craft. Now I'm taking that experience and translating it into your life. This podcast is for busy professionals and household CEOs who care deeply about their family, career, and their health. There's an ocean of content to wade through, but I do the heavy lifting for you and distill cutting edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your lifestyle and goals. Dana Perino is Fox's co-anchor of America's Newsroom, co-host of The Five, and the former White House press secretary for President George W. Bush. In this episode, we discuss how reading is a competitive advantage, her preparation process, managing up, and the freedom in making a decision. In preparation for this podcast, I read Dana's book, Everything Will Be Okay. And even though the stated target audience is young women, I really learned a lot from it. There was a lot of sage wisdom in this book that I wish I knew at a younger age. I walked away with several new ideas that I'm actually implementing in my career and personal life. And I strongly recommend that you pick up a copy today. Hey everyone, before we get started today, if you enjoy listening to The Blueprint, please take 30 seconds and leave us a review on Apple Podcast and follow us on whichever listening platform you are listening from. This will help us as we try to reach more people with the message of The Blueprint. It's time for the It's Freaking Awesome Story of the Week, brought to you by The Festive Kitchen. Every week, we highlight stories of people who went above and beyond and thought about someone else before themselves. Now that is freaking awesome. This week we're featuring the Munich Animal Welfare Association, a German animal shelter that's using a popular dating app to find homes for their animals. The animal shelter hired an advertising agency to take photos of 15 animals and created profiles for them on Tinder. Tinder, typically used for dating, allows users to swipe left on profiles they're not interested in and swipe right on profiles they are interested in. By using the platform for the animals rather than dating, the animal shelter hoped to find the perfect match for their lonely dogs and cats, and luckily, they did. Jillian Moss, an employee at the shelter, says lots of users have swiped right for their perfect date with the animals. The response is insane, Jillian said. It's exploding everywhere. The shelter is now processing requests and communicating with possible matches through Tinder. Benjamin Bilk, another employee, says the COVID-19 pandemic has drawn people to seek out the perfect companion, whether that be a romantic partner or, in this case, a cuddly friend. We hope that these animals really find a new partner, a perfect match in the long term, and not just for a few weeks, says Benjamin. There are not only lonely souls among humans, but there are also a lot of lonely souls among animals. Thank you to Jillian, Benjamin, and everyone else at the Munich Animal Welfare Association for all of their freaking awesome work. But before I get to my interview with Dana, I want to let you in on a free and exclusive offer. Tell me if you know this story. You go out and spend hundreds of dollars on a fancy wearable device, hoping that it will help you achieve your wellness goals. 
and then it ends up in the sock drawer. Sound familiar? Or how about this? You follow those cookie cutter clickbait health recommendations like walking 10,000 steps a day and all you get is anxious and demotivated when life gets in the way and you can't hit that magic number. It's time for an evolution of expectation and results. And that's where AIM-7 comes in. AIM-7 sets busy people free to live their values every day by building lifelong healthy habits. We use the health data from your wearable device to create small, scientific, personalized recommendations for whatever you want to do. Sleep better, increase your energy, reduce your stress, or lose weight. If you're ready to finally unlock the power of your wearable data, then go to www.aim7.com. That's AIM7.com to get early and free access to our exclusive program. AIM7 starts small and starts with you. Your health data, your values to get to your thriving life. But now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Hey, Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Dana, first of all, I just want to let you know that this is the first book I've ever purchased that my wife confiscated from me and had taken notes and dog-eared pages before I could start reading. It was absolutely fantastic. And I wish I had this book of wisdom to start my career. And um, speaking of careers, you've had a fantastic one. Congrats on the 10th anniversary of the five. And most people who served as the press secretary would usually go on to maybe serve as a communications director for a Fortune 500 or join one of these big PR agencies and do public speaking. And you started down that path, but ultimately you charted a new course for yourself. How and why did you pursue being a news anchor and commentator? Oh, thanks for asking. So I, you know, that's what I originally wanted to do in my life. Um, But then I, again, I took a detour and I worked on Capitol Hill met my husband on an airplane, moved to San Diego, England, and then San Diego, and eventually returned to Washington, D.C. after 9-11 and become mm-hmm. the uh, first Republican woman to serve as White House press secretary. And I served until the final day in office, and I really did not know all... Well, I didn't know what I was going to do when I left. You know, there's lots of opportunities that were um, in front of me. I didn't know quite how to narrow it down, so I, di- I made a huge mistake. I tried to do a little bit of everything. And I was trying to do all of them well. And I was completely overwhelmed and working even longer hours than I had been when I worked at the White House with no support either, because I'm like, now I, you know, I was on my own, didn't really have a team anymore, traveling around the country, trying to do speeches and charity events. Um, I started minute mentoring at that time as well. I was just felt like Every call that I got asking me to do something was going to be the last one I ever got. And it was mm-hmm. really wrong to think that way. I burned out pretty quickly. But within that time frame, one of the roles I had was as a Fox News contributor. So I would be an occasional and then it became more frequent guest of on programs on Fox. And when I thought about what's the most what is the thing I enjoy the most out of all of these things that I'm doing? And it was anything when that involved Fox News, writing a column, being on uh, any of the shows, having a chance to guest host. And when they called me about the five, it was supposed to just be a five-week temporary program. But <laughs> it was a successful one. We've, as you said, we just passed our 10th anniversary. And at First, I did try to continue to do to do those other things 
because I didn't really know, can, can I make a living and have a career doing this, you know, being on TV as a commentator and, and now as a news anchor, I couldn't visualize it. I didn't know if that would mm-hmm. actually be for me. And so I was hesitant um, to let go of other things. But the late Charles Krauthammer gave me some terrific advice on how to pare that back. And I'm so glad that I did because then it allowed me to actually focus and grow so that I could not just be um, one of the panelists on The Five, which is my first love, but I also now um, am... I have a chance to be on the election coverage team and I anchor two hours a day with my co-host Bill Hemmer in the morning. And that's a news program. So I feel extremely gratified that I finally figured out what it was I wanted to do. It just took me quite a while to figure it out. I have friends who will say, wow, your transition from the White House was so smooth and you're so successful. And I think to me going through it, it was anything but smooth. So would you say that like it was important for you to just narrow the focus, pick one thing and double down? Yeah. Or because I mean it sounded like so you were just having a hard time saying no almost. Oh, that's the hardest thing. <laughs> Actually, you spend a lot mm-hmm. of time and everything will be okay talking about that. It gets easier as you get older. Um and I actually have recently deployed something that a friend of mine um suggested. I get a lot of requests to do things, um, outside of my work. Um, so Mm -hmm. speaking engagements or, um, you know, interviews or, um, flying someplace to do some sort of event on a Saturday or Sunday. And I appreciate all the requests, but I can't handle them all. And so I've had to be a little bit more, uh, particular about what I say yes to. And my friend said, well, remember, you don't owe anybody an explanation for why you are not available. And mm-hmm. she suggested I practice just saying, thank you for the invitation or the request or for thinking of me. I am unavailable. And hitting send without trying to explain, well, it's because I have all these things going on and and, and trying to justify why I would not be available. And it's been, a, it's been actually a very, a, an interesting exercise. I I always still feel like a little bit of guilt when I press send, but it has helped me figure out a way to streamline my life because I I very much want to improve at all the things that I do. And when I am spread way too thin, I've realized that um, nobody's happy, uh, especially me, because I feel like I don't do anything well or to the best of my ability and learning to say no to more things has helped with that, even though I still feel bad about saying no. Well, first of all, I'm very appreciative that you said yes to this show. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> yes. I know how busy well, you, know, you are. I'm a, I'm a podcast Speaking enthusiast. of how busy you are, <laughs> you have a 9 a.m. show and a 5 p.m. show. Yep. How in the world do you maintain your physical and mental <laughs> stamina to go between those two things at the pace that you have to with the level of concentration that you have to bring to the job? Thank you for asking. I will tell you that um, my head is barely above water. Um, But there are some days when I think I handled it pretty well. There are others when I think this is terrible. And the idea when this was all organized was that I would be able to go home in the middle of the day. I don't live too far from the studio. And that would be true if 
the work day wasn't filled with all sorts of other things, you know, um, and I get for, so, so ostensibly my time off in between would be from like 1130 to four. But then somebody mm -hmm. will say, well, could you do a meeting at 1130 on Thursday? And could you meet at 330 on Thursday? Oh, and there's a call at 130 on Thursday. So all of a sudden I'm like, well, there goes my day. So mm -hmm. I have to be a little bit more disciplined. Um, and I have figured out a way to do that actually on, on many days. Uh, of course, there are exceptions to the rules. And there are some people here, like my colleague, Brian Kilmeade, he basically works 24-7. This is a guy who's done Fox and Friends for so many years. And he leaves Fox and Friends. I think he gets up at 2.45 in the morning. Fox and Friends oh is from 6 goodness. to 9 a.m. And then from 9.05 to noon, he's on his radio program. And then after that, he might go home or he'll stick around and fill in on the 5. Or he's been hosting the 7 p.m. hour. So he has an endless supply of energy. And what I've found for myself is that I just need a little bit of time on most days of the week just to catch my breath in between. And I have a great assistant who's helping me do that. We are so grateful to the Blueprint's title sponsor, The Festive Kitchen. The zany creators at The Festive Kitchen set out to create the perfect sweet, salty, crunchy snack with just a little heat. After attempting numerous flavor combinations, they started sharing samples with family and friends who would ask, what is the name of this snack? And since there was no name, they answered, I don't know, but it's freaking awesome. And hilariously, the name stuck and a new product was born. It's a snack and it's freaking addicting and it's called It's Freaking Awesome. You can order online now at shop.festivekitchen.com and itsfreakingawesome.com. Trust me, this snack tastes as cool as it sounds. Brace yourself because you'll be ordering frequently for your monthly freaking fix. The good news is they now have a freaking monthly subscription. And right now, we have a special offer for Blueprint listeners. Get $20 off when you spend $100 at shop.festivekitchen.com. Just use the code BLUEPRINT. Listen, I highly recommend that you also check out the chicken salad. It's my favorite. Whenever I visit my mom, she has one pound of it waiting for me. Literally a pound. It is phenomenal. Again, all of this is available online at shop.festivekitchen.com and itsfreakingawesome.com. That's I-T-S-F-R-E-A-K-I-N-awesome.com. How are you prepping for these shows? I mean, there's got to be a lot of reading and research and note taking to prep. Do you have a routine that you yeah. kind of settled into? Well, I think you might have seen in the book that I, um, I'm a big reader. And yes, I've always <laughs> believed that my competitive advantage has always been that, and I'm, I don't say this you know, to sound, um, I don't know, I, I want to sound humble, but I, no one is going to outread me at a meeting. And mm. everybody knows it. So like, for example, when I walked into the White House briefing room, they all knew that I knew the material and that I had read all of their work. Now, there were days when I might not know the exact answer to the question that they would ask, but I would promise to get back to them. And I always did. And that's why I maintain some really good relationships with the press. But today I read kind of all day. In fact, I just got reading glasses and I do not know how I was reading without them, actually. <laughs> it was like running a marathon with 20 pound weights on my ankles or something. But I got reading glasses and I'm like, oh, that's helpful. Um, I start reading around 4.45 in the morning. Um, and read up until about 8.45 a.m. I 
have a hair and makeup team that uh, lets me uh, read the whole time that you know they're doing um, their amazing work to help me get ready. And then um, at night, I try to also then read um, the Wall Street Journal, at least the editorial page and columns the night before, because that gives me a little bit of a jump start. And then in between, I'll do things like reach out to usually three to five friends a day or contacts a day just to see what's on their mind or research a topic or maybe get a different point of view to make sure that I'm bringing as much objectivity to my analysis as I can. Are there any books that you're reading right now? Yes. Things that you're trying to upskill yourself with? (laughs) Yeah. So I, um, read, I had last week off. That was the week of like third week of July. And I, I read four books that week. Um, what? Yes. (laughs) So the first one was a novel called the plot and I read it in one day. I couldn't put it down. I don't know if you watched The Undoing, but the author of The Plot was also the author of The Undoing. And it was terrific. A great okay. you know, vacation read. Um, I also read Everyday Vitality by Samantha Boardman. And hmm. it's a great psychological analysis, or um, I should say, like a psychology book, which basically says how to turn stress into strength. But it was interesting. Okay. My book, I write about how to turn anxiety into energy that works for you. So it's a similar theme, but she is a, a psychiatrist and her uh, approach is really through um, the study of psychology. It's very, very good. I highly recommend it. Mm. Then I read The Raging 2020s. And that is a book that's coming out in September. Uh, a friend of mine, Alec Ross, has written this. And it's about how we as Americans need to rethink our social contract, rewrite our social contract on all sorts of different angles from education and work um, and capital and health all along those lines. And the conclusion of that book is that we have a choice. We could be the roaring 2020s if we take some specific actions now, or we could end up with the raging 2020s, which is not going to be helpful for anybody. I highly Mm -hmm. recommend the book. It's very thought provoking. But then the fourth one, which was more a little bit also about thinking about myself and how I can best continue to grow professionally and personally was a book called The Road Back to You. And Mm. it has to do with the Enneagram, which some people might be familiar with. That's basically an ancient personality graph um, where it assigns everybody a uh, a personality, one through nine. And then there's different wings and cross currents and things like that. I was fascinated. And I loved learning a little bit more about why I react to things the way that I do, how I can improve upon that, and how every team really needs to recognize that each person brings strengths and weaknesses. And how can you help people elevate their strengths and lessen the weaknesses so that you can be successful? So it was very good. I could see how that'd be very helpful in team dynamics, knowing your teammates, knowing how people react under stress. Um, in your book, you you talk about your preparation and you also just talked about this now, but you are the most prepared person in the room, which I personally, <laughs> coming from so arrogant, but yes, really, I do think so. <laughs> uh, appreciate. And you, um, you say that you can't fix which you don't measure. Mm -hmm. So what are you tracking and measuring? What are your KPIs? Hmm. So 
sometimes I feel that for me, I measure too much. I am always like judging myself. And I find that if I can let go of that a little bit, um, it's a little bit more freeing. Um, mm. a physical exercise is really important to me for maintaining a clear head. I learned that from an early age, but also remember hearing that from Secretary Condoleezza Rice, uh, who always found time for exercise because she said she could not make good decisions if, she, if her brain was clouded. And that the only way to clear a mind, a human mind, and what is to burn it off. So physical exercise for me every day. So I have a Peloton. Um, yes, I'm one of those people. Um, I try to do something <laughs> for my posture every day, uh, a mix of strength training, uh, yoga, and um, cardiovascular exercise, and then a ton of walking. Uh, I love living in the city where I can walk. Um, so do a lot of that. And then sleep Can I, can for I, me I let you important. in on something, a sure. little secret? Sure. So... Um, Neuroscience is showing now because you talked about having a clear mind that when you walk forward through an external environment like outside or move, bike, cycle, walk, you get into something called optic flow. Okay. And that's where like objects are moving past you. And optic flow reduces the activation of something called the amygdala in the brain, which deals with emotion and fear. And so it makes total sense that you do your best, like you're able to be at your best and make good decisions when you consistently exercise. Well, it's interesting um, you say that. I thought because, you might find that useful. Yeah, um, there are so many times when I am uh, walking back and forth to work, usually to work, mm -hmm. especially when I come back for the five, where I will have a thought of what I'm going to say about a topic while I'm walking. Mm. And I will pull over to the side of the sidewalk and maybe type a note in so that I don't forget it. Um, so that's, <laughs> yeah, I think that you're right. Like, right. So if you're moving, you are thinking. Yeah. You're processing. And especially yeah, if you're not you moving while I you hold over. your phone. <laughs> <laughs> you must be very targeted on your way home. <laughs> no, no, no. I just try to get out of the way so that I don't get run over. <laughs> I gotcha. Streets of New York are pretty busy. Yeah. We're going to take a break for just a moment to talk about how you can get exclusive content designed for high performers just like you. If you're looking for information and resources to improve your health, well-being, and performance, then sign up for my free high-performance newsletter, Adaptation. Just go to www.ericcorum.com and sign up now. When you sign up, you'll get my ultimate sleep cheat sheet, which is my guide to consistently getting restful and fulfilling sleep. This newsletter is my effort to bring zero cost, high performance resources and tools to anyone with a desire to improve. Now back to the show. That is super interesting. And I, you know, so how much walking do you do a day? Not as much as I'd like, um, about mm -hmm. three miles, probably all told, um, which and then on the weekends, more like six. Okay. Um, something else in your book that I wish I had learned earlier in life was about this art of managing up. And I think mm. more young folks could really learn from this. Can you talk about that for just a moment? Sure. So um, when, when people think of management, I think they usually think of having people that work for them or under them in an organizational chart. But just as important is what's above you in terms of managing your, um, the vice president or the, um, and I mean of a company, um, or the CEO or the anchor of the program. Uh, I've seen some people here at Fox that are so good at that. And I would actually think that 
you know, somebody like a Ron Klain, who is the chief of staff to President Biden, uh, if you read about his management style of how he's running the White House, he has to manage the whole staff, right? But then he's also got to manage the principal. So you always have to think about what is your real job? Your job is to make sure that that person above you has what they need in order to make good decisions for the organization, whether that be a company, a nonprofit or government, or even in the military, like your job, who is the, the, the chief of staff, the that you think of a chain of command. And if you can be the one that anticipates your higher ups needs and handles whatever needs to be handled before being asked or recognizes that, oh boy, this incoming request is going to make her so mad. So I better not ask right before she eats lunch and is starving. I'm going to wait, right? Part of this is like a timing how you communicate, when you communicate. I had this one person who worked for me for a while that would, before I even set down my bags or took my coat off, would launch into four or five things that she needed from me to make decisions on right then. As I'm like walking into the office. And I would mm. always try to be kind, but it was so annoying because I'm like, wait, can, can I just set this stuff down? Let me get my tea. Um, let me figure this out. Now that, one, it's a, I probably should have told her. If I had just told her once, hey, give me five minutes before you ask me a single question, she she would have done right. that. That was on me. I should have done that. Instead, I was just trying to be nice. And then it doesn't work out that way. So managing up and down is important. But I think that the skills of managing up are underappreciated in um, in our workplaces. So how do you get to know, like if you're new in a, in a role and you're working for an executive, is there like a sequence that you would go through? Would you do data gathering or intelligence gathering for people to work with them? Would you interview sure. your boss? Like sure. how would you go about like learning the nuanced things that you just discussed? The two things that you just said are, are wonderful, right? Ask, mm -hmm. ask, like, I want to make your life as um, easy as possible. Here, what's, what are some things that I could do to make sure that you have exactly what you need and I'll do it every day? That immediately signals to me, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, well, here's, here's three things and I'll think of more as, I, as they come up. Um, I think that it's also important to understand the value of listening. Okay, like listening is super important. The other thing is always, in my opinion, you should always carry pen and paper into a meeting or into a uh, even a chance encounter with your boss. Because now some people I know like to take notes on their phone and that's fine. And as long as you ask the person, is it okay if I take notes on my phone so that I know you're not actually just texting or like retweeting some sort of like TikTok video or something like that, then <laughs> um, I'll be like, okay, yeah, take notes on your phone. But there's something about walking in with a pen and paper. And if I said, you know what? I need three things. If you try to do that by memory. You think about a waitress at a, at a uh, restaurant. If you've, I'm sure you've seen this before. Some waitresses can absolutely do it. They can take a complicated order for a table of five and not miss a thing, but that's very, mm. very rare. And so if you have pen and paper, it signals to your boss, you care about what they are saying and you are not going to forget whatever it is. Um, so I think that kind of a habit is a really good one, even for just what it symbolizes, but for what you're showing that you're trying to do. Yeah, I love the the fact that, you know, when you have a phone in your hand, it's just the wrong signal. But pen and paper, I mean, people might consider that old school, but it it signals, hey, I'm here to listen. 
and to, and to, and to serve in a sense. Um, you know, this, this podcast, the blueprint is about the journey of high performance and you are definitely a high performer. What does high performance mean to you, Dana? Well, thank you for saying that. I'm sometimes I feel like I'm not living up to my potential, right? Cause I have a capacity to work a lot and work very hard, but I have come to recognize that rest and some time to think is so important for me to be a high performer. And I didn't really have time to do that during the White House years. And then I ran on that kind of adrenaline for the next few years. And I think it's only since actually sitting down and writing everything will be okay and trying to take my own advice have I recognized the importance of that. In fact, just last week, I turned down a pretty great opportunity to add something to my plate. And the the lead up to saying no, the act of saying no, and then the couple of days afterwards were kind of miserable for me. Because I thought, wow, what am I giving up here? And then once I got through that, I realized like, oh, I'm so glad I said no. And I felt Mm -hmm. a lot lighter. One of the things that President Bush used to say to me is that making a decision is so freeing. And that being a decisive person is really good. Now, one thing I've learned from my husband is deciding not to make a decision in the moment or on a certain topic right now is okay as well, that that's a decision. So I, 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 think, I think about it in those terms. Um, but I also try to have a, a healthy attitude of gratitude. And I didn't mean necessarily sound sing-songy there or rhymey, but I do think that <laughs> when you live with gratitude and realize that at any moment, things could change. Um, we're recording this on the day that Simone Biles who was on top of the world, right? She was going to take the Olympics by storm. She has a, a day uh, and an event um, and something happened. We'll find out more when she is able to finally talk about it. But then all of a sudden, in one second, she pulls out of the Olympics and that's it. Mm. And all that buildup, all the lead up, and imagine the enormous amount of pressure that was on her shoulders. And you never know what's going to happen to you. So living with gratitude and recognizing how short life is and how important it is to give back to others and to be kind to others will only enhance your ability to be a high performer. I love that. Gratitude is, is something that, you know, if we have a lot to be thankful for the past couple of years, and I think, um, especially if you're here in America, Oh my gosh. I mean, we have our problems, but uh, (laughs) compared to other places, this is the place you'd want to be. No question. And speaking of gratitude, I know time's coming up. I just want to tell you, thank you for joining us today. Um, I am so thankful that uh, I got to read your book and that my I literally, if I could show you this thing, I was hoping we'd have on this on video, you would just be like, I love this. There's notes everywhere and I'm applying this and my wife's using it. And um, for the listeners out there, you definitely want, if you are a mid-career professional, if you're somebody that's climbing the ladder or you just want to unlock your best potential, you definitely need to get this book. Everything will be okay. I know it says life lessons for young women, but there's a lot of things that guys can, can learn from here too. Is there another way that people can find and support you, Dana? Well, I would certainly love if people watch America's Newsroom. I think it's a really wonderful program and terrific. Um, if you want to learn more about my dog, I'm on Instagram at Dana Perino. <laughs> Yeah, Jasper. How's Jasper. Jasper doing, by the way? He's living his best life. He's a nine-year-old Hungarian Vishla, and I'm, this dog is amazing. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Beautiful dog. Thank you. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity and good luck to this podcast. If today's podcast enriched your life, please support The Blueprint by leaving us a review as this is the number one thing you can do to help us share the message of The Blueprint. Also, please consider checking out the Festive Kitchen's amazing product. It's freaking awesome. It makes for a fantastic gift for a colleague, friend, or loved one, or as a freaking fun snack when you want something sweet and savory to tantalize your taste buds. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.